Hell, and every time you ch you uh, respond Y to everyone ready, I always read it as Y instead of yes. <laughs> nope, obviously, I, I mean like a yes, you know, an affirmative, <laughs> not a why are we doing this. <laughs> That's a different one entirely. Welcome back, folks. Uh, this is another episode of Manga in Your Ears. Corey and April are with me. Hi, everybody. Hello. And I know our schedule's been a little wonky lately. Um, we keep having to put it off because Corey and I got the coronavirus shots and didn't want to podcast, just in case. And yep. then, now that we're vaccinated, both Corey and I are making trips home, which involve a few hundred miles. <laughs> so that's thrown off our schedule a little bit. Hopefully, we'll be back to somewhat more regular updates soon. But we're not traveling as far as our characters did in this first series we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Magic Knight Ray Earth. And uh, honestly, we haven't quite decided yet if we're going to talk about the whole series or just the first half. Since Corey only read the first half for the first time, April only reread the second half, and I didn't reread either part, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, but the, but the basics... The basics of Magic Knight Ray Earth are pretty easy for me to remember, even a couple of years later. We've got um, three girls in Tokyo. We've got Hikaru, we've got Umi, and we have Fu. They all go to different schools, and they're on, all on a school field trip to the same place on the same day. I, I think it was Tokyo Tower, because yep. that's where all the kids go for Tokyo field trips. Um and when they're there, they hear just this mysterious voice in their heads, you know, Magic Knights, Ray Earth, you know, save us. And then they are isekai. They get pulled into another world, the world of Ray Earth. And then they start a adventure that feels, I mean, w you can tell right then and there that Clamp must have been playing an awful lot of RPGs in the 1990s. <laughs> it feels very RPG-like. They um, meet folks. They get armor, they get weapons, they get upgrades, they get cool summons. It's like the very rare Magical Girl Mecha series, since their ultimate weapons are just like these giant robots they summon and fight with. And they're going through, um, Ray Earth is being, not invaded per se, but um, its ruler has been taken captive by an evil villain, and so they're going out to save her. And that's where the twist at the middle of the series, the end of the first part happens, and then the second half is a bit of a different story. <laughs> Corey, did you know about the twist before going in? I felt like you did. Uh, no, I knew nothing about Magic Knight Rayers before going in, and slight correction, it is not, they're not, or at least as far as I've read, they have not gone to Rayers, they have gone to Sephiro. Uh, Sorry, yeah, I just got the names wrong there. And I am staring at the Wikipedia article right now, right now, too. <laughs> Yeah, Ray Earth is like the the dog uh, that Hikaru spoilers the dog that Hikaru uh, awakens as the rune god or something. Um, but yeah, I didn't know that I didn't know what the twist was going to be. I knew nothing about this. Uh, and TIL from the Wikipedia page, uh, all of the Sephiro people are named after cars. Yes. <laughs> what? <laughs> that was also something I had to have pointed out to me since I I just did not make the connection with the car names either. 
yeah, I would, I would never have made that connection because I think most of these are like not cars that exist anymore, and I already don't know about cars that exist right now. So yeah, I think there might also be some funniness going on with I think like Pharaoh is supposed to be Ferrari. I think that might be it, but that's definitely not how it sounds in English. So. I think there might also be some funkiness of translations going on there, or at least transliterating between a couple languages back and forth. Oh, also, Corey, I really liked your Magic Knight Ray Earth thread on Twitter, where you're talking about reading it, and it takes you quite a while to figure out that her name is Hikaru, not Hikari. I have no idea what I was reading the whole time. But like, I, I was adding alt, alt texts to them, so I'm like, here is Hikari doing whatever. And, <laughs> And then, like, there was finally a word bubble where it just says Hikaru, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Her name is Hikaru the whole time. The uh, whole time, Corey. The whole time. Yeah. But I, I actually really liked, I only read the first three volumes, as you said. I found, like, the really fancy hardcover Kogansha thing for 50 bucks uh, at my comic shop used. It retails for 130 so quite a deal for me. Um, but yeah, I really like this. I think this is, uh, at least since Cardcaptor Sakura, probably the best Clamp that we have read. Uh, I mean, we've gone through a lot of the, the grudges of Clamp, or the infamous or famous grudges of Clamp as well. But, like, this one was really enjoyable. I think it's, uh, cre- or set up its narrative to be, uh, it didn't feel like it was rushed, even though they were, like, really going from one thing to another really fast, uh, because, like, you knew exactly what points the, these folks needed to get to, uh, Hikaru, Umi, and Fu, the three main girls in the, in the manga, um, and they were, like, learning their, their magic, they have some background of, uh, of random other hand-to-hand skills, like, Hikaru is a Kengo, uh, practitioner, uh, Umi did, did fencing, and uh, Fu was part of the archery club, so like they have this generally physical background, so they know how to do things at all, uh, which is like part of the unrealistic parts of some of these isekai nowadays, I guess, where it's just like an office worker becomes a slime and now he rules. Um, uh, and then like they're learning the magic by, I don't know, kind of magical means, but whatever, it looks kind of cool. <laughs> Um, and I don't, like, I don't think they're really fighting anything that seems like they are, uh, or ever, it never seems unrealistic either, so, I don't know, I, re- I really enjoyed this. I like, I like what Clamp was doing here. Yeah, I definitely agree. This is in, like, the upper tier of Clamp stuff. It works well in six volumes. They never really tried to expand on it later. There was, in addition to the TV series, there was, like, an alternate OBA adaptation, but that's it. And clamp stories work best when they are not dead and in the ground, but when they let them lie. You know, they let sleeping dogs lie. <laughs> yeah. Also, it was kind of funny to see them before their noodle people designs took over everything and dead when they were actually using, like, screen tones oh, yeah. and stuff. Yeah, yeah. So I, I read the back half of it for the podcast, but that was actually my first time reading 4 through 6. I never actually read the last three, so I didn't know how it ended, but I have... The first three from when they came out from Tokyo Pop, so it's the same sort of uh, timeline of like Sailor Moon, Peach Girl. Like I have all of those around the same time, um, so it's been oh, it's been a long time since I've read the first half. So I read the second half for the podcast, and not to spoil anything if we're not going to. But I still I still really enjoyed even reading the second half. So I'd read the series maybe I don't know 
10, 15 years ago and never actually knew how it ended. There's just the twist, and then that's where I stopped reading it. So I never actually knew how it ended, and then I happened to find the last three volumes, the Tokyo Pop volumes, at like a, a, a half-price books. They were dirt cheap, so I finished reading it for the podcast, and I, I – I really enjoyed it. Like, it was nice to see those characters again, and I appreciated the ending without spoiling it. Um, yeah, it was just kind of nice to pick it up again. And the Tokyo Pop volumes are just the way I remember them, and that means that the pages were literally falling out. <laughs> I, got, I mean, like, half of the book is completely out. Like, the glue is just gone. So that's the way I remember them, and that's the way my volumes are. So it was a good trip down memory lane. There are a bunch of characters that I don't remember. Ember, like Lantis, and there was some other guy. I'm like, Lantis I wasn't in the first these. path. He, he, he wasn't. Really okay, he was in the first half. Okay, I was like, oh my yeah, gosh, I don't, you don't remember this I don't guy. Know whoever this is. Yeah, he was not. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, he's gone away, and then he's come back when he hears that. We might as well just spoil it. Sephiro is in deep crap after the end of the first half because uh, the princess Emerald summoned the girls basically as a suicide attempt. You know, basically, she did not want to keep living, and since nobody in the country can hurt her, she, th- this whole Magic Knight system exists solely for the purpose of killing Sephiroth's yeah. um, leader, which is really messed up, even for a clamp story. Um, <laughs> it, it's not quite the level of killing God that you often find in JRPGs, but it is similar. And so the second half of the series is that the three girls have been summoned back again, and they've been really desperate to get back since they got teleported back out right after they did the deed and they're finding that the country is kind of falling apart and we have a whole bunch of other countries coming in seeking to invade it we've got a couple of folks who are vying for the new position of um head of sephiro including lantis and uh oh yeah april so you never saw like clamps like ot3 there because that's that, that is an ot3 there i i insist with eagle vision lantis and hikaru Although, no i i I did not know about that at all. <laughs> Although, man, so many age gap relationships in that second half. Just like... <laughs> well, we were never going to get that far away from Clamp, were we? <laughs> I mean, like, the one non-age gap thing is, like, Fu and Pharaoh? Ferraro? Not sure how to say that name. Like, that's basically, like, the only one. Everything else, it's, like, half your age plus seven, folks. <laughs> Some of you appear to be ageless. This is not good. <laughs> God damn it, Clamp. Yeah, like the first person they run into is someone who appears younger than them. Um, I'm scrolling Clef, who appears younger mm-hmm. than them, but he's actually like 700 and something years old. And he's the most amazing mage in Sephiro or whatever. So Yeah, yeah like general yeah. high wizard, yeah. top wizard kind of guy. Yeah, um, but uh, I, I dig like the... Kind of wondered like what Zakato was doing the whole time. Like, why is he trying to destroy the peace of the entire world? Is he just evil for no reason? Um, but I did like that he was not evil for no reason. It's just that they fell in love, and the way that this world works, which I think is pretty creative, is uh, just the um, or your. Mm, why is my brain working? What's the word? It's, What's the it's word sort of for? like your devotion and your passion are kind of what fuel your magic. Yeah. And yeah. for Princess Emerald to protect Sephiro, she needed to be devoted to everyone. But once she fell in love with one person, things weren't going to work out for her anymore. Yeah, it, she needed to love Sephiro and 
its residence and its uh, existence more than one person. So she remained isolated, right, from, like, everyone else. But Zagato was one of her uh, guards, and they just fell in love. And Zagato's like, why doesn't this person get to do, or get to have a life? Why doesn't she uh, get to live along with everybody else? Um, which I found... Like, this isn't just an evil person, and he is doing all of these things for a reason, even if it is at the cost of, you know, the entire world, which seems bad, but, um, he, there is a reason behind it, and it's also very funny that, like, he just, uh, kind of mani- manipulated a kid to, to help him out because the kid is also part of the guard, and he also just paid off a different one, and then <laughs> once they fought for a bit, she was like, alright, I'm done, we fought, that's probably enough, they paid me money. Defeat means friendship, after all, Corey. Yep. Since this is very much a shonen manga, this is a shonen fighting series. Not yeah. a tournament. There are thankfully no tournaments in here. There is not room in six volumes for a tournament. But <laughs> yeah, I feel like the solution to Sephiroth's woes would be to like high hire an aromantic for this job because then boom, you're not going to have trouble with them falling in love with one specific person. You're good. Yep, that would help. Or just have like a rotating cast of people that are able to jump in and do this. Well, spoilers for Corey, but the second half of the series does involve with, do we really want to keep going with this system? Is there anything we can do to change this? Since this is clearly a toxic and uh, it's viable in the short term, but this is not a long-term plan for our the existence of our country slash world. Since all, all of these countries seem to be like single country worlds, like when we see the other country slash world invading, they're just like snow globes basically just like domes enclosing one country coming over oh. yeah i mean yeah, the current system is a little problematic yeah, I remember we see more of them in the anime adaptation which it sounds like neither you guys saw i saw it once back in the day um i'm hearing that it wasn't good I'm, it, i don't know if i'm thinking of something else or it was okay they had to expand on some bits to like get a full adaptation like they invented a new character in there who hikaru had kind of like a mind battle with that's most of my memory. <laughs> All right. Uh, yeah, the anime version uh, is like just released from Gisco Tech somewhat recently, but it's also 49 episodes from six Wait, volumes. recently? Nah, there, there was a re-release of this years ago. I'm going to have to look this up later. <laughs> well, I mean, re-released. I don't know if it was released to begin with at any point. I, I will. It will take too long in this podcast, but after this podcast, I'm going to go looking up to try and figure out what I'm remembering <laughs> since I... It's definitely been more than a few years since I saw people posting, like, comparison shots of the remaster the publisher put out for the video, which looked really good. Mm. And I think trying to hunt down old things from the VHS tapes and folks are supplying them. But, yeah, not many people talked about the anime since it just wasn't particularly standout. Even though it's a solid adaptation of a solid manga series, definitely. Clamp had a really good run in the 90s, and then it just sort of faded off afterwards. And they haven't been doing as much since then, Hmm. which makes sense, considering how hard they were going for decades. But yeah, kind of, it just feels a little awkward, you know, when it seems like someone is, or a group in this case, is just really past their peak, you know? Yeah, yeah. This isn't even, like, one of their... I mean, it is one of their early things, because they have five million things, but it's not, like, one of their first, second, third thing. They get, at least from the ones that I recognize, Tokyo Babylon, Clamp School Detectives, uh, Shirohime Seo was before this, which we, which we just read, and X. I think The Legend of Chung Hang was also before this. Yep. And that one I thought was okay, but it got cancelled after one volume, so I'm in the minority on that. <laughs> oh, they also would have done Man of Many Faces before this, if they were also doing Clamp School Detectives. 
and like school defender Dukleon. Since yeah. like all three of those cross over a lot. <laughs> yeah, both of those were before this. Uh, but uh, yeah, I really like this. I want the second fancy book, which I guess now I'll have to pay $130 or whatever for. But, Just be uh, like me and keep waiting for sales on it. That's mm-hmm. that's yeah. what I've done the whole time. That's why I have only one set. <laughs> Normally, yeah. I wouldn't say this is a series I like enough to get a fancy set, but man, they just lured me in with that art book. It's a good-looking art book. Yeah, the art yeah. book is really nice. Um, and it had, like at the end, it has one of those pull-out larger art thingies, too. Mm-hmm. But with that, let's wrap up this first half so I can hand it off to Corey for our second series. Um, sounds like Corey had a good time with this, if he's planning on going on to the second half. Sounds like April had a pretty good time reading the second half of the series. Any other we all read parts? different parts. <laughs> <laughs> Together we form one complete manga reader. <laughs> okay, unless you guys had any other thoughts that we didn't touch on, uh, let's go to break. back and we are here to talk about blue giants the uh jazz saxophone manga from uh published by seven seas uh, by shinichi ishizuka um this manga is about this um third year high schooler named dai who lives in sengai uh hot summer days and rainy nights the back of the book says and he is a basketball player, but he also uh, is into saxophone and jazz. Uh, he plays the tenor saxophone, if the, the front of the cover is to be believed. Um, and he got into jazz through middle school. I, one, of, one of his friends took him to a jazz club, and uh, just he, he heard the live music and was completely entranced by it. Um, so as we go throughout the series, he's learning more about how to play the saxophone, but he's also just dealing with, like, general life things. He's about to graduate from high school, and uh, he needs to figure out what he's going to do. Is he going to get a job? Is he going to go to college? But um, he just straight up tells his dad, no, I'm going to I'm gonna become a jazz musician, and his dad's like, all right. Uh, <laughs> I mean, he doesn't just say he's going to become a jazz musician. He says he's going to be the greatest jazz musician. Right, of course. He has a lot of confidence. Um, uh, But he is not the greatest jazz musician from the get-go, obviously. He he has a first gig. He uh, is immediately told to leave the stage, pretty much after this gig, and uh, eventually he gets a teacher, and he starts to, to learn the proper technique of playing jazz and playing the saxophone, because before he was just doing it by ear. Um, and of course, the Zamanga, I have no idea how well he is playing, um, because it doesn't uh, doesn't have any noise coming out of the manga unless you slap the book, as it says in the, in the back comics from the author. Um, but this is, uh, or Seven Seas, put out the first four volumes now in English, I believe. I only read the first two, they're omnibus, um, 
but it's only it's only a ten volume series, and then there is something called Blue Giant Supreme, which I assume is a continuation that is also ten volumes. Then there is Ju- Blue Giant Explorer, which is currently two volumes, and I don't know why they are all separate, but uh, whatever manga. What did you two think? Um, I've liked it a lot. So I've been seeing it in the store since now we can go back to the store. Um, so I've been seeing it there and thinking about picking it up. So I was glad that we picked it up for the podcast. Um, I really enjoyed it, especially in the beginning. I was really sucked in by the main character and oh, like he's going to be the best and all that. And in the second half, it just seems like the main character's not super interesting. So it's not that I dislike the main character. I just was caught up in the momentum in the beginning and then in the second half it's kind of like what he doesn't he's not i don't know he just i think maybe he's a little one note because he's just like i'm gonna be the best i'm gonna be the best i'm gonna be the best and it just i i don't know enough about him at this point but i enjoy i enjoyed like my favorite part was um i think when he is it a bar or something like that where he performs yeah. and like he does not get the react i like i love that whole scene i just really i think I mean, I expected. I was like, this can't possibly go the way that he hopes. But I think just the way it was handled and the way that he felt afterwards, I really enjoyed that part. But I'm like, is he going to care? Is he going to be able to carry everything for 10 volumes? I'm not sure. Like, I'm definitely going to get the second one. But I'm, I'm just not sure if he's a super interesting character. We'll have to see. Yeah, I definitely found Die to be kind of boring, especially since there's not a whole lot of structure to the story so far. Dai has a saxophone, but he can't read music. I never occurs to him to learn to read music. He doesn't even really know the scales. He doesn't really know what note he's playing. He's just sort of playing how he feels. And it's just a little too unstructured for me. And also, like, it's kind of hard to get a sense for what he is playing, since the manga doesn't have, like, a lot of sound effects with it. It's got, like, some sound lines to indicate just how loudly Dai is playing. But... It was just really hard to get a sense of what was going on. Uh, I actually read the first volume of those Snow White notes fairly recently, and I felt like it was struggling a little bit to convey the music. It was using like a lot of like metaphorical imagery, you know. Um, but even that gave a better sense of what the music sounded like than just these very static panels here. Um, I just did not understand why I was supposed to care about Die. Which is probably, like, the worst thing you can say about a story. I just did not understand why I'm supposed to care about the main character. Yeah, and I think that's a big flaw of it. Like, he's just this, uh, uh, I mean, pun intended, I guess, one-note character that, uh, <laughs> that has this one-track mind that is just be the best jazz player, and he's only really focused on um, learning the saxophone. And I do agree that, like, I, I mean, I would obviously have no idea well, he's playing because it's a manga, but it, it made it even harder because it only did have those lines, and not that I can read sheet music, but I did appreciate it later on uh, when they added the sheet music, when he's learning from the teacher, it's like, oh, here's his growth, here's what he's doing now. You can kind of tell that um, before he was just playing loud, it probably sounded saxophone-ish, but um, now he, he seems to be playing music rather than making sounds as the as the manga progresses and like there's some really or uh, this really cool spread uh, near the end of the volume where he's playing in the middle of a jazz festival and you just kind of see him play and see the reactions and i think that is a is a pretty creative way to 
convey at least how good he's playing, even if you still don't really get an impression of what he's playing. Yeah, yeah, I remember that particular. I remember that particular saying that was that was really cool. Like I like, I like like learning about the music. Like when they go over the um, how to read music, and I'm like, hey, they taught us that when we were in elementary school. But like I, I like reading about like the saxophone itself and like the little read things that he blows into. I like reading all that stuff. I just don't know if he's a particularly interesting character, but it like doesn't kill the manga for me because I'm interested in that. And I, they have, they keep having, I don't know, you wouldn't, I guess you wouldn't call them flashbacks, but they're, they keep having like little, I don't know what you would call them, flash forwards where people <laughs> are obviously like older people are obviously talking about, probably die about how, oh, I remember him when he was a kid or I remember when he did X, Y, Z. So I'm kind of like, well, I wonder what happens to him or what goes on. So that they have that little piece there to kind of make you wonder like, well, what actually happens to him? Does he wind up becoming the best? So I would uh, I'm, I'm definitely going to keep reading. I just wish he was a little more interesting or maybe fleshed out a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah, and I think these flash-forwards are a pretty creative way, kind of, um, for a more uh, mainstream example, My Hero Academia does this, especially in the anime, where, um, what's his name, Deku, will narrate over the beginnings or ends of episodes, being like, uh, and it's clearly a, a lower voice, he's become the number one hero now for Academia, and he's talking about what happened in the previous episode, and in, in these ones, I imagine that he has either become the greatest jazz musician, or become... A great jazz musician who is now Pat Sagley's away, and they're they're interviewing all of his all of the people from his past. Um, but I find this like a a pretty creative way to to show that he is gonna be on the right path, even if you don't really have that impression uh, from from present day. Yeah, that was totally my thought. It was a did, is he really good? And they're doing like you know a Ken Burns documentary on his life, or is he dead? You know? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Probably more column A than column B, but yeah, yeah, <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah, but like I, I enjoy jazz music. I'm not very versed in it, but um, anytime I read something like this and get specific examples of um, jazz songs or jazz albums, I, I get a little, little interested in it. Like I was doing some crappy training for work today, and I just threw on some Coltrane and. It was just an enjoyable experience. I always like it when like, a manga gets me interested in something else that I wouldn't have normally been interested in, and it definitely did for this one. So yeah, I, um, I'm glad I picked it up. I was on the fence about it at the bookstore, and then I got it digitally for the podcast, and it was a nice read. Yeah, Yeah. when I was watching this week's those Snow White Notes, I had a thought to myself at one point. I was like, oh, it would be kind of nice if I could play an instrument. I don't know what instrument I would play since... Uh, I'm not tone deaf, but I am one of the most unmusical people you will ever meet. I cannot carry a tune. But I remember, you know, the story was sweeping me up, and I was thinking, oh, it would be nice to be able to kind of do this thing. But I didn't get that feeling at all from this series. This series just felt so flat. And yeah, I generally appreciate jazz, I think, just like most folks. But I just could not get any enjoyment out of it. It was the lack of sound effects. Yeah. They just had that. <laughs> Those sound effects, guys, that they're really important, you know? Yeah, it's, it's really <laughs> weird. It's kind of weird. I mean, uh, I think it was Lori that mentioned it earlier, maybe. But yeah, it is like, once you know something, like, yeah, there's no sound effects. It's a little strange. <laughs> so, it felt like the creator was more interested in creating, like, a striking-looking scene than one that would really immerse the reader in the scene one where you would pause and go oh that looks cool instead of being so immersed in it you don't even realize till later 
Mm-hmm. Especially since you can do really cool things with sound effects to not only show this is the noise it makes, twang, but also, <laughs> you know, show how the twang ver- reverberates around a room or how people perceive it. And this creator just didn't seem to consider that at all. <laughs> yeah, I think that's, um, that's something that's really hard in in music-based manga or sound-based manga, um, where you have to convey what is what music is playing and like i think he does he does she does uh i think the mangaka does uh, a good job at um conveying the effect that guys playing has on people like you get the hex in the jazz scene when they're yelling him to shut up you get that when with his friends uh like he did a, a going away party with his friend and uh either because of the moment or because of what he was playing the friend was crying um and like you, you get a good impression of that, but uh, yeah, this is where having an anime would would really help. Mm-hmm. That's the first thing. Definitely, especially since we have all those scenes of Dai both being told he's really great and also being told he sucks, and without actually hearing the music <laughs> itself, it was just such whiplash for me. It was like I can understand seeing potential in somebody, but I'm having a really hard time reconciling that people can both think that he's got really good potential but also just really really sucks right now just yeah i I just really need that musical element to get it but honestly i was so bored by this series that even if it did get an anime (laughs) or movie i'm not sure i would check it out (laughs) it's like how we sometimes joke that anime is like the best advertisement for a manga well sometimes you know the manga is like the greatest deterrent to watching an anime you know on the flip side like uh barakamon i think that's a Determined in another way. <laughs> uh, well, let's uh, close this episode out. Uh, do anyone else have anything else on either of our series before we say goodbye? No, I guess not. <laughs> I'll take that no as a no. Uh, where can we find everybody on the on the internet? You can find me on Twitter at Wanjuren. I'm still alive and vaccinated. I think I said that last time, but I still am. <laughs> Yeah, we're all getting ready for hot, vaccinated people of any gender summer. Not hot, hot girl back summer, but, you know, any gender. Um, you can find me on Twitter, at Wandering Dreamer. You can find the other podcast I co-host and my manga and light novel reviews over on theosg.com. Uh, no review of Blue Giant yet. Uh, I, I have Blue Period in my to review cues. You guys see how I'm having to, like, seriously think every time before I say this. Uh, I might get a review of Blue Giant up at some point, but I have other responsibilities to finish first. So maybe we will get something about me railing in written form about how I found this boring. <laughs> All right, you can find me on Twitter at Impassionate K. You can find this podcast on Twitter at Manga in Your Ears. And you can find all of our episodes over at TaikuPodcasts.com. It's T-A-I-I-K-U. And I think this is the first episode I have recorded since I redid the website. Um... So if you want anything on the website, I can try to do it, and I will probably fail at it, but, uh, you know, the option's out there. Tweet at me, tweet the podcast. And we have author bios again. I am once again being represented by Hibiki from Sinful Gear. She's a good avatar, guys. She, she punches things while singing, you know? Life- <laughs> <laughs> 